in your Bibles, if you'd turn with me, please, in the book of Romans to the 15th chapter and the 13th verse, I have a word for you from the Lord this morning. Romans chapter 15, verse 13. Now may the God of hope, how many of you knew that God was a God of hope? How many of you know he's a God of faith? He's a God of love. But here's a little different, different emphasis on God. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. I'm going to suggest to you that the comma is in the wrong place in this verse. For those of you who understand Scripture, in Old Testament Hebrew, New Testament Greek, there's no punctuation, no periods, no commas, no chapter headings. So your Bible was created by interpreters of the language, and a, a comma or a period was placed at the end of, of sentences. That, that's, that's the truth about our Bible. Now, notice here. It's going to change the way I say this. Now, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. How about I put the comma there? The other way says, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Comma. I think the comma is in the wrong place. Let me say it again. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace, comma, in believing that you may abound in hope. Would you say with me this morning, I can abound in hope? Everybody say it with me, please. By the power of the Holy Spirit. When I'm done my message this morning, I have one simple prayer, and that is that you will believe that you can abound in hope. That's what I'm talking about. It's very clear. The subject is there. In believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to define the word hope for you this morning because there are two kinds of hope mentioned in the Bible. The first kind of hope is, uh, well, it's kind of says, I hope we have good weather next week or tomorrow. How many of you have done that in Wales and you didn't get good weather? <laughs> Today you've got wonderful weather. Totally different than when I was here in last March. But Paul says, I hope to come to you in Rome. That's wishful thinking. It might happen, it might not. That's one kind of hope. The kind of hope I'm talking about, the Bible hope, that is the theme of my message and the hope talked about in that scripture. A definition of hope is a confident expectation of the goodness of God. Could I ask you to repeat that with me as well this morning? Bible hope, everyone together, Bible hope is a confident expectation of the goodness of God. <clears throat> Oral Roberts is famous in his crusades 
for walking to the platform. He did it on television, every program he had, and he would announce this simple fact, something good is going to happen to you. Now that's Bible hope. Something good is going to happen. Turn to somebody and just say, say it to your neighbor. <clears throat> In the book of Romans 8, verse 28, the Bible says, And we know that God works all things together for good to those who love him, to those who are called according to his purpose. You know that verse, as do I. Now, I want to focus the next few minutes on this little word, hope. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, 13, And now abides faith, hope, love. These three, these three but the greatest of these is love. Now, I want to suggest that hope has got a bad rap because preachers most of the time don't know what it is. Most of us have said it's wishful thinking. No. Real hope that changes you is when you believe that something good is going to happen to you. When you believe in your heart and you have hope. Now, I've heard two sermons on hope in my life. I've heard thousands of sermons on faith. I come from Tulsa, Oklahoma. That's the faith capital of the world. I've heard hundreds of messages on love. You can build your faith. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the... You can build your love. I've never had anyone come to me and say, Terry, are you spending any time on your hope? What does that mean? If you can develop faith, and you can, <clears throat> you can get more. If you can develop love, and you can, my suggestion to all of us this morning is that you can increase your hope. Could we bring that scripture back on, on the screen again? Uh, uh, Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope. You can have a lot more hope than you've got right now. You can have a lot more hope than you've got right now. A lot more of a confident expectation of the goodness of God. But a lot of this depends on you and the way you and I think about it. Simple principle. You must build your hope in the same way you build your faith and your love. These three, the greatest of these is love. Now, very simply, my first point to you this morning as I preach is you must believe that you need more hope and that you can get more hope. How, what does it mean that you may abound in hope? If I take a glass of water, bottle of water, and I fill it till it's overflowing, that's abundance, all right? Anything less than a full bottle is not abounding. You abound when you have more than you can hold. The Bible says you can abound, you can have more than you can hold of hope, and most of us have never understood how important that was. I've written a book on it. Uh, it is available on Amazon and other places. 
But the one thing I want to say this morning is a profound statement, and that is for all of us, hope is a choice. You're not necessarily born optimistic or born with hope. Hope is a decision you've got to make. And the most important thing about hope that I can even mention to you this morning is the fact that you've got to choose to hope in a world many times that is hopeless. I have people come to me and said, well, I've had a bad background. Someone else says, well, my, I, I, I'm weak in my character. I can't hope. Someone else says, I'm abandoned and nobody cares about me. Or I've had the death of a loved one and you don't know how that has destroyed my hope. I've lost my job. I've been betrayed in marriage. My child has died. An accident that seems totally random. And where does hope go? Hope goes out the window until we make a decision that we're going to abound in hope. Let me show you how Jesus looked at hope. Jesus understood the power of hope more than anybody. You remember when he walked into town and little Zacchaeus was climb, had climbed up in a sycamore tree. And Jesus said, Zacchaeus, come down. I'm going to go to your house. When Jesus was done with Zacchaeus, his announcement to the entire village for a tax-collecting Pharisee that had, had gypped everybody in town, he said, today salvation has come to this house. When the woman taken in adultery was brought into the temple and thrown into the dirt, they'd caught her in the act. This is a fairly serious situation. And they all stood there and said, the, the, the law of Moses says, stone her, what do you say? And Jesus went, bent down and started to write with his finger in the sand. I heard an old preacher, an old uh, African-American preachers say, what was Jesus writing when he knelt down and wrote with his finger in the sand? Uh, and he, then he suggested he was writing the name of all the Pharisees' girlfriends, and that's why they got out of the temple in such a big hurry. That's why he got out of the temple in a hurry. <clears throat> a classic hope is Jesus dying on the cross. And he turns to the dying thief on his right hand, and he says, Today you will be with me in paradise. What is that? That is pure hope. Today, in a short time, you will be with me in paradise. But there's one story on hope in the Bible that I want to open up to you now, and it's found in the book of John, chapter 1, the gospel of John, chapter 1. I want to read several verses to you, if you'd listen, please. Again, the next day, John the Baptist stood with two of his disciples. And looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned, and seeing them following, said to them, What do you seek? And they said to him, Rabbi, which is to say when translated teacher, Where are you staying? And he said to them, Come and see. They came and saw where he was staying and remained with him that day. That was about the 10th hour. Listen to this now. Verse 40. One of the two who heard John the Baptist speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. 
Look at Andrew in the New Testament. Andrew is always bringing somebody to Jesus. And here, he decides to go and find his brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. And he brought Simon to Jesus. Now notice these words, and, and when Jesus looked at him, that word in the Greek does not mean he just recognized his appearance. It has the sense of Jesus looking into the heart of Peter. When Jesus looked at him, he said to Simon, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah, but you shall be called Cephas, which means a rock. In other words, the first thing Jesus did when he looked at Peter is he realized what a character he was. He realized that he was rash, hot-tempered, irrational, unstable, looked at a man who, who kept tripping up and falling all of his uh, ministry with Jesus. But Jesus looked at him the first time and said, you're Simon, you're weak. But when I'm done with you, I'm giving you a new name called Peter. Jesus was sowing Hope in the heart of his greatest disciple. Think of these words as we consider the Bible this morning. You are, Jesus says you are, he looks at you the way you are. He looks at me the way I am. But after looking at us, he says, here's what I'm going to make you. You are Simon, but when I'm done, you'll be Peter the Rock. That is one of the most powerful, hope-filled portions of Scripture that I've ever seen. Jesus knew how to hope. And Jesus placed faith in a man who time and time again failed him. Would you say that with me this morning? You are? You shall be. That is the essence of hope. And when... No, thanks, you don't need to say that. You're very obedient, thank you. <laughs> uh, you are Simon, the son of John, but you shall be Peter the rock. You are, you shall be. That is the essence of hope. The essence of hope says in your heart, whispers in your heart, I will not be in a year what I am today. I will abound. In hope, I will abound in believing the goodness of God to change me from what I am to what he wants me to be. I am? Yes. You are. But the other part of the statement is you shall be. One of the great characters of the 18th century was a man named Alfred Nobel. He created dynamite, founded or found the principle for it, and manufactured it, and became an incredibly wealthy man. One day, newspapers across Europe screamed out the fact that the merchant of death is dead. They got his brother and himself mixed up. His brother had died in Paris, and all of Europe mixed up because they both had the last name. They thought the merchant of death was dead. When he went and saw what the newspaper said about him, 
He was so horrified that that's the way he was identified across Europe as the merchant of death, the inventor of dynamite, he decided to change his obituary. Today, Nobel is not known for dynamite. Nobel is known for a peace prize, for a prize in medicine or literature or physics, the Nobel Prize. When the man found out who he was, he said, I'm going to change who I will be. You can change your obituary. And that's what hope does. Hope says, I may be doing this, and I may not be proud of what I'm doing right now, but I can change. <clears throat> and that decision to change is one of the most important decisions of your life. Now, I could tell you a lot of Peter's story and his mistakes. Most of you know them. Fishing without faith, walking on water. But the three moments when Peter is faced with himself is the night that Jesus is tried for his life and crucified the next day. The Bible says Peter followed Jesus as the soldiers took him from the Garden of Gethsemane. And Jesus had prophesied to him in the upper room. He'd said, before the rooster crows three times, you're going to deny me three times. Peter said, Lord, I'll never fail you. I'll be there right to the end. This is Simon talking. He hadn't become Peter yet, even though his name was Peter. I will, I will stand with you to the end. And while Jesus is on trial for his life, and he curses the third time, and he cursed, he said, may God strike me dead if I'm lying. And he was lying through his teeth. When he made that final curse, the Bible says in the book of Luke, the only gospel that contains this. The Bible says Jesus turned and looked at him. What kind of look did Jesus give to Peter? He gave him the same kind of look that he gave him when Andrew brought Peter to Jesus. And Jesus said, you are Simon. You will be Peter the rock. He had failed his master horribly. Three times denied Jesus. But when Jesus turned and looked at Peter, he's saying, Peter, you are, but you also shall be. And 50 days later on the day of Pentecost, who is this man standing up and declaring to the thousands crowding the streets of Jerusalem, this Jesus that you've crucified is now Lord in Christ. 3,000 people come to Jesus. Peter has arrived. Simon is finished. If you believe that this morning, say amen. amen. God's gift to every one of us this morning is the power to change our future. It's the power to choose. But I'll tell you something about hope. You must decide. The gift of choice is the greatest gift that God has given us outside of life itself. You choose salvation. You choose to walk with God. And that's why our choice is so fundamental and so important. And I ask a question, what great vision has God got for you that you don't know about yet? 
What is God casting in your future? What is he saying you will be? I know who I am now, but I am very much interested in who I will be. God is calling you to who you will be. You know, problem with most of us is we don't believe what God sees when he looks at us. And you may say this morning, I'll never break free of this habit. But God says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You're saying I am, and he says this is what you're, this is what you're going to be. You say I, I don't deserve another chance. And God says in his scripture, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from every sin. You say nothing ever works out for me. And God says all things work together for good to those who love him and those who are called according to his purpose. You say, I'm not pretty. Who would want to marry me? And God says, you are his workmanship created in his image. Don't forget that. You say, I'll never get well. God says, by his stripes you're healed. You say, I'm a single mom and I can't raise my kids. God says, you can find grace and, and mercy to help in time of need. In, in university, you say, my professor makes me feel bad or like a fool for, for believing. But God says, men will see your good works and declare and glorify God in heaven. You say, the UK is finished. There's nothing I can do. And God says, go in your strength and change your country. You say, I feel so alone in the world. And God says, nothing can separate you from the love of God. You say, I'll never make it without my wife or my husband. And God says, you're more than a conqueror through Christ who loves you. You say, my life is going nowhere. And God says, he has appointed good works for you to walk in. You say, I am. And Jesus says, you shall be. Here's the problem with hope. You wake up in the morning. You are responsible for the thoughts you think in your mind. A lot of us think hopeless thoughts. We've tried. We've struggled. We've done this and that. But I'll tell you, the most important thing you have and the gift of God you have in the morning when you wake up is to say what Jesus said to Peter. You are, but you shall be. Choice is a gift that no one can take from you. And when you get to heaven, you'll not be tested on your brains. You'll not be tested on your emotional quotient. You'll not be questioned on your will. You will be judged on your choices. That's the one important thing for all of us. God is watching our choices. Now, let me suggest something else. Your hope is contagious. Everybody around you needs your hope, especially your kids. Your, your husband, your wife, everyone around you needs your hope. And I'll tell you something about it. You find someone who's full of hope and it runs over on everybody else around them. 
if you ask somebody, how are you doing? And they start listing, they go through an organ recital. My hearts are bad, my lungs are bad, my stomach's bad, and they go through all the organs. I'll tell you now, <laughs> that's a mistake. One great story that touched me as a young man, preacher, was a story I heard Oral Roberts tell. I used to work with him in crusades. I was, I'm a member of the first graduating class at Oral Roberts University. We're cel celebrating our 50, 50th anniversary uh, this October, and I will be speaking at the event. But when Oral was a, a boy, he was born a stutterer. He could not say anything with a clear diction. If they asked, if you asked him a question, he would say, uh, bah, 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 like this. And one of the worst days of his life was the first grade going to school. The teacher asked all the students in the class to uh, tell her their name. Everybody told their name until she came to Oral Roberts. And he stood there and started to say, oh, 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 oh. The teacher laughed at him. The students laughed at him. It was one of the worst days in his life. He was a stutterer. That's who he was. But his older brother, Vaden, took him out of the classroom and put his arm around him and guided him out of the classroom, quite a bit older than Oral. And he said, Oral, let me tell you something. You may not be able to talk now, but you will talk in a way that will one day spellbound millions. And he was one of the greatest speakers I've ever heard extemporaneous in my life. What do you think Jesus said when the disciples tried to keep the parents and their kids away from Jesus? What do you think Jesus said when he brought little Johnny and put him on his knee? Did he say, Johnny, I know you're confused. I know your dad's away, and it's very hard for you and your mother, but you're going to be a wonderful carpenter. God has put that gift in your hands. Is that what Jesus said? How about when Mary climbed up in his lap, and Jesus says to Mary, God has given you a beautiful voice, Mary. Keep practicing and singing. Because one day, you're going to bless people everywhere with your voice. What was he doing? Sowing hope. Sowing hope in kids who had no hope, who crawled up in his lap, broken, saying, what can I do? My family's broken. <clears throat> My mother and father don't live to together. I, I, I have incredible problems. Parents, listen, please. You hold an incredible sway of your, over your children. And if you say to your children, you'll never do this or you'll never do that, or you always do this or you always do that, you're putting a curse on your own child. You're saying you are, not you shall be. And that destroys the life of people. Most men and women in prison had parents that did not speak 
hope over their lives, and they're ending up in jail. Let me tell you a story. When I grew up as a young man in Canada, my father was a pioneer pastor. He built churches of 25 and 30 people out in Saskatchewan in the cold winters, 40 below zero. I remember him telling me one day he was out gathering wood for the cabin, cutting brush in the forest, and the axe glanced off the, the tree and cut his boot and drove that axe right down to the bone. He knew he was going to die. He couldn't get to a doctor. He had a horse and a load of lumber waiting for him, and he fell on the, the load of lumber and told the ho horse to giddy up, and they went 11 miles back to the cabin. Walked in the door, hopping on one leg, and he said to my mother, we're going to have to sew this up. It's too bad to get anywhere near a doctor. And he asked my mother to take a sewing needle and cauterize it in the fire. He took fish line, put it into the needle, and sewed himself up. Poured a bottle of iodine on his feet to, to, uh, as an antiseptic. My dad was a strong man. But one thing he never knew how to do was to say to me that I'd ever done well. If I came home with one B in a report card, he'd not compliment me on the A's. He'd say, how about the B? He just didn't know how to build his children up. He'd never had it himself, and he didn't understand. And I grew up trying to please my father, and I never thought I would ever please him. But I remember, 34 years of age, I'm on my way to Africa with my group Living Sound to sing for a year. And I went by in Minneapolis to say goodbye to my father. First time I'd ever seen him cry. He wept, he said, son, come over here. I walked over and he threw his arms around my neck and he said, I loved you. I can tell you the color of paper in that house. I can tell you where the furniture was in that room because I had heard something from my dad that I crave to have. Listen to me, parents. You're dealing with children whose lives are in your hand and they want to hear from your lips something that builds them up something that gives them hope. The whole world needs hope, especially in the Middle East. There seems to be no hope at all. That's why the Bible says you can believe that you can abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Hope is yours for the asking. Hope is yours for the choosing. The Bible says, now faith cometh by hearing. No, that's not the verse. Uh, I'm looking at uh, Hebrews 11.1. 1. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. 
See, faith is the construction man. Hope is the architect. Hope draw, draws the drawing of the building, and then faith puts it up. But if you don't have an architect scheduling and fondly preparing your life and your future, your faith has nowhere to go because your faith is based on your hope. And I would suggest to you this morning that God is a God of hope. That's what my text says. He is a God of hope. Let me say a couple of things to you this morning in closing. Psalm 22.3, surely goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life and you'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Jeremiah 29.11, I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, plans for good and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. It's out there. It's out there in God. Hebrews 10.23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. Isaiah 40.31, they that hope in the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. They that hope in the Lord. My question to you, what is your hope quotient today? How much do you believe that God has great things planned for you? How many of you have let your imagination go? And I've said, God, here I am, and I want and I need hope. David said in the Psalms, I would have despaired unless I had believed that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Now, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, <coughs> in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Can we bow our heads and close our eyes for a moment? First question I want to ask this morning is, is there somebody in this room who doesn't know Jesus? You have no hope for the future because you've never committed your life to Jesus. The first thing I'd like to do is pray for you before you leave this sanctuary this morning. Heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. If you're out there saying, Preacher, I'm not right with Jesus, I want to get right with him today, would you quietly slip a hand up anywhere in this room? We're not here to embarrass you. We're here to help you if we can. Is there anyone in the room you'd hold up a hand and say, Preacher, pray for me. I want to get right with God. Anywhere in the room. Second question. How many people are sitting listening to me and inside of your heart you're crying out saying, God, I'm desperate for hope. I'm desperate for hope. I'm desperate to believe that you have something different for me than what I know now.
anybody that's in this room this morning and you need hope from the Lord, I'm going to ask you to make a decision about it and slip up a hand so I can see it this morning all through this room. You need hope and you're willing to believe God for hope in your life. Would you raise a hand anywhere in the room? Yeah. I see hands raised everywhere. Every one of you with your hand raised, would you quietly stand to your feet right where you are? Don't move, don't come down here, just stand and stay right where you are. You raised your hand. I would say to the, our audience, look around you. The rest of you look around you and find someone close to you and I want you to walk over and touch them on the arm or the shoulder right now. We're gonna pray for hope. There are people here struggling to believe for hope, struggling to believe that God has a plan for them. I'd like you to go somewhere and reach out and touch someone on the shoulder. I'd like to pray a prayer with all of us tonight or this morning. I'd like you to join me, join me in the prayer if you would please. Let's pray this together. Dear Heavenly Father, everybody in the room, dear Heavenly Father, I know you're the God of hope. And I need hope more than anything else. And this morning as I stand here, I'm desperate inside. I know what I am but I don't know yet what I can be. I don't know yet what I will be. God, forgive me for my failures and for my mistakes. But I do believe with all my heart that you are the God of hope. And I determine right now to declare your word I believe I can abound in the power of hope by the power of the Holy Ghost. So I say to you, Father, I am your child, and I decide today, moving forward in my life, I will make the choice, and I will declare the goodness of God in my life. And I believe with all my heart that something good is happening to me. I believe with all my heart that goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I believe, Father, that you have a plan for me a plan for good and not for evil to give me a future and a hope and I grab onto that hope this morning. I would have despaired unless I had believed. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living.
Thank you for hope. I seize on it now. I determine for the rest of my life. I will hope. I will hope in God. And I will hope abundantly. Thank you for the gift of choosing. And I choose now my way forward. Thank you for it, Father. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Let's give a shout of joy to the Lord. Shout of joy to the Lord. By the grace of God, we're going to walk out of here. Go ahead. We're going to walk out of here different than we walked in this morning. What do I do when I go to the Middle East? I bring hope. I bring hope to people who are hopeless. We are the arbiters of hope. We'll change our world with our hope. Thank you for the honor of being here this morning. Pastor David.